Okay, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome back. This Sunday School, um, as we've been going through the layman's perspective on multiple things, this morning I was going to talk on grief, grieving, and uh, suffering. Uh, so if you'll just bow your head with me, and I'm going to start with this prayer. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, in the depths of my pain and sorrow, I come to you, Lord, seeking your presence and comfort. My heart is broken, and the grief I feel is overwhelming. I can't fully comprehend the extent of this loss, and I struggle to make sense of it all. In this time of darkness, I lift my tear-stained face towards you, trusting that you are here with me in my heartache. And oh Lord, I don't want to suppress my grief or pretend that everything is all right. I know that you created me with the capacity to mourn. And I choose to embrace that sacred emotion and allow myself to feel the weight of my loss fully. And in my anguish and despair, I cry out to you, my God, my comforter, my rock. As I sit in the midst of my grief, I ask for your presence to surround me, to hold me close, and to minister to my soul. Let your loving arms enfold me as I weep, and let me find comfort in the knowledge that you are near, even in the darkest moments of my life. And Lord, help me to be honest with you about the pain I'm experiencing. Guide me through the depths of my mourning and allow me to express my sorrow openly knowing that you hear every cry and collect every tear. In your infinite wisdom, you understand the complexities of my heart, and I trust that you will walk with me every step of the way. I am grateful, Lord, for your unwavering presence and assurance that even in the midst of my grief, you will never leave me nor forsake me. Please remain by my side as I navigate this journey of loss, and in time, let your healing touch restore my broken heart. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That was a prayer I found um, as I was searching for resources online. I'll share that all with you so you have it at the end of this class, along with uh, just several Bible, Bible verses that I found that I like. There's a lot that are useful. Um, these are just some that, that I came across that touched me. Um, it's definitely not going to be comprehensive, but I have that stack. I'm going to wait to pass that out till the end so we can uh, look through that stuff together. Um, as many of you know, I've recently gone through a loss of my brother, and so I'm going to share some of that with you today. And we can talk through um, what it is as a Christian to grieve. Um, obviously, I'm not an expert in the matter, and I'm not going to cover every side and every aspect and, and everything that everyone in here has felt or will feel. Um, I can tell you from my experience recently uh, what that's been like. And um, with your open hearts and willingness to, to learn from the Lord's Word, I think we can grow together and be here for one another. And I, I really think that's a huge part of this church and the church of God is what we are able to do together through someone's loss, through someone's grief. So I'd never really gone through grief before, 
I had lost my grandpa at age 21, and I was uh, playing college baseball. I was having fun with that. I was on a trip, I was traveling, um, and I got the call while we were on the bus with all the other guys. Uh, and after talking to my dad for several moments through it, um, I decided to, to stay with the team, um, to keep playing, uh, because that's what Grandpa Dean would have wanted. Um, he was an avid, avid baseball fan, and uh, he just was so thrilled that I was playing college, college baseball. Um, but sadly, I missed the services for him, and uh, my coaches thought it might be a great time uh, to use me for the first time ever in a starting position as a pitcher. Um, didn't turn out as they had wished. Uh, it was a very emotional game for me, as you can imagine, and ended up getting pulled out of the third inning. It just wasn't going too well. Uh, since then, I've, I've just always wished that I would have made the choice to go to my grandpa's funeral um, to see where he was buried. But sadly, I had chosen sports over my family at that point. Uh, that was the only experience I had before recently. Um, the recent tragedy, tragedy in my life that most of you are aware of, some of you might not be, uh, I lost one of my younger brothers. Um, he had a drug addiction uh, to heroin, um, and it opened up a part of my life that I, I knew was coming from some aspect, whether or not it be him, but someone in my life I knew I would lose eventually. Um, just never knew when. So in my, in my family, we all knew what he was doing and that he was using. Um, he seemed to have it under control. I'm sure of some of you that have family members or friends with drug addictions, addictions it seems like they, they think they have it under control for a certain part of their life. Um, but we would discuss amongst ourselves, you know, that someday this could kill him. And of course, sadly, eventually it, it did. Uh, there was a sliver of hope for a while that he might pull out because he had been um, sober for over a year when he was on probation for something. And uh, he seemed to be clean. And um, there, was, there was this hope that we had. And he had a, a way about himself that was still very friendly and, and upbeat and positive. And we just, we always had that, that hope. And uh, I had prayer for him. And uh, as a lot of you also know, I mean, drugs are just stronger and more aggressive than, than we think. Um, liter literally takes control of a person's being, right? Mentally and, and physically and, and spiritually. And one evening for him, he was, he was just dead. Um, we, we'd found a receipt. He had purchased some food at a Sonic for dinner, 8 o'clock that night. And our youngest brother, his name is Dustin, uh, he's, he's 25. Trevor that passed away was 31. Uh, Dustin found him dead in his room at 10 o'clock. He's just gone. Just that quick. Um, I mean, besides the drug use, there was no signs. There was no warnings. There was nothing that, that brought this about any different than any other day he had lived. Um, I found out the next morning uh, when I woke up and uh, flew home that, that evening to be with my mom and my brother and to help, help them with everything that there was to do. I knew my own grief had started that week, 
because the feelings I had in my heart were unlike anything I'd ever, ever felt before. Um, even with my grandpa passing, you know, I was young enough and distracted enough to where I, I don't think I really went through much of that process. Um, I never came home from that. I stayed playing ball and stayed with my team and um, missed everything. And it just went to the back of my mind. I didn't have a very close relationship with him, but um, we still loved one another and shared the same name, so that was always special. Uh, but this was, this was a lot different. The emotions were intense. They sprang onto me anytime throughout the week when I was down there. I, I found myself crying at these random times. Um, not just when embracing my mom and, and my brother, there was, there was plenty of time for tears and, and grief at that. But for instance, when I was going to the dump, I, I broke down crying at the dump. Um, I was taking apart my brother's computer desk and, and I found myself bawling then, going through his credit card transactions and just seeing what he purchased and where he was. And um, my hometown's Albuquerque and that's where he was. So just seeing all these places that he would go and, and visit. Uh, I found myself weeping at those times, um, taking apart his bed and, and getting all that stuff. I just, to me, it felt like I was taking apart his life, right? And I know I didn't do that to him, uh, but it just made that all more, more real for me, and the experience was uh, very deep. It was truly a, a week of hardship for me, um, not only experiencing the loss of the loved one, but also helping my mom, who was really in shock, uh, to set everything up, to help them, help her, help my brother, take care of the things that we all needed to take care of together and to make decisions that um, she just couldn't make in the moment. Making all the arrangements, we had to notify all the family and, and the friends. Um, I think my my main role there, besides the emotional support her, for her, was cleaning out his room. He lived with my mother, and uh, they had shared their home together his whole life, and she was very used to him being there. And it was a large room, and it had lots of stuff in it. Um, and she just wasn't, wasn't able to, to go in there and attend to that uh, for most of the week until the end, and, and then she could. Uh, we also had to attend and set up and do his, it was a very minimalistic service, um, smaller than anything I'd ever seen. Uh, and I think part of that was just my mom being in shock and not wanting um, to, go, to go overboard. Um, as we say in lots of loss, this is what this person would have wanted. And, and my, my brother, Trevor, never wanted to make a big deal out of himself. Um, so she thought as small as possible was, was what would be preferred. So we did that. And that was hard. It was hard not doing a full service. It was hard um, not hearing someone get up and, and speak. And um, it, was, it was hard for me not hearing anyone talk about the Word of God in that. I was asked not to. Um, but there was nothing said at his services either. It was just more of a, uh, an attend, a viewing, and a quiet time that people could reflect. So that, that made it hard too. Um, when... All was said and done, and I was finally headed home. It was definitely in, in much relief. Uh, that week was the hardest week I'd ever gone through in, in my life up to this point. And again, as I said earlier, I, I knew something was coming. Kind of have to know that, right? None of us live forever. 
Um, and we all have those, those fears and, and doubts of losing our, the ones closest to us, our, our spouse or our, our children, um, our parents, um, brothers and sisters. Uh, even when it's expected, it's, you're never ready for it, right? Um, and then the next week, as I got home and things were um, just kind of settling in for me and the dust was settling and I was able to um, think through more of my emotions and, and what I'd gone through. I was handed this book by my wife, Grieving, by Dr. James White, um, which she received from Renee, who received it from uh, Pastor Jeremy. And so I started reading it. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm going through the process, but I didn't know anything about grief, about grieving, about what that meant, how, how it was going to happen. Um, a lot of times I said, I don't know how to do it. Like it's, you know, something I got to go do. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. As many of you know, it's something that happens. And you, you go through it as an experience. Um, but it was helpful. Uh, very helpful. And answered some of the basic questions that I've had about grieving as a Christian. Uh, I'd suggest... Anyone and everyone pick up a copy. It's super short, and it's, a, it's an easy read. Um, at some point in your life, if you haven't already experienced grief, you will. And um, you, you've also known someone who's experienced it, surely. And I, I know that because most of you know me, and I've, I've gone through it. I'm going through it. Um, and reading this book can, can help you as well interact with those of us who, who have and are experiencing it. Um, but it'd be helpful to prepare ahead of time. Um, I'm sure there's several good resources that you could go to and, and read. This one uh, is just to the point, simple and short um, and, and very helpful. So I'm gonna read just a little bit out of it so you can get a feel for uh, what he says and what he's talking about. Um, and here he writes, there is no promise in scripture that says a believer will be spared of these kinds of tragedies. None at all. The promise is that God with, will, will be with those who mourn, not that he will keep them from such things, but what will, but what will it mean to... Uh, sorry. Oh, he, was, he was talking about a story about his friend named Mike. What will it mean to Mike that he goes into this process believing that Jesus died and rose again? How will this impact his grief? Sadly, some Christians think that they should not grieve. My loved one is in a better place, so why should I grieve? Yes, your loved one may be in a better place, but you have lost an important part of your life and that causes mourning and grief. We miss that person and we love and the love that we shared. Being a Christian does not remove your human feelings from you. You will grieve that loss just like every other human being. So what's the difference? The Apostle Paul summed it up, summed up the difference very well when he wrote to the Thessalonians about those uh, loved ones who had died. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14, um, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Some might understand the importance of Paul's word and understand him to be saying that Christians should not grieve. That is not his point. He says that Christians should not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. 
It is grief that Paul says the believer should not experience. Sorry, it is not grief that Paul says the believer should not experience. It is grief without hope. That is the key. Christians grieve just like any other human beings, but the major and all-important difference is that Christians grieve in hope. They live in hope of the resurrection of the dead, made a surety in their experience by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They live in hope of his redemption, his return, his glory. They grieve knowing the truth of Paul's words to the Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions, so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Available to the Christian is the comfort of God himself, the one who gave his own son on our behalf, and who certainly knows the depths of love in that self-sacrificial love that the cross promised in comfort to comfort us in our pain and sorrow. That is why the Christian why the Christian grieves, but in hope. So I found that helpful. Um, Help me answer some of my questions like I, like I was asking. Yes, Christians do grieve. No, we are not saved from the experience of grief. And yes, we have hope beyond ourselves and this world. And no, we do not grieve as the world does for believers. Yes, we will feel emotions and pain pains as did the one who purchased us. So look with me um, at what Jesus experienced. Let's turn to Matthew 26 and uh, let's pull out some lessons we can learn from him. So Jesus is our guide through grief. He's our mentor. He is the one who knows grief deeper than any of us can imagine. He did suffer the deepest grief and sorrow in his humanity, fuller than any of us can even understand. So looking at his grief is where I need to start my journey through, through grief. So in Matthew 26, verses 36 through 44, it's a longer passage, but we need the breadth and understand what's going on here. I'll go ahead and read it. You guys can just listen. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said, to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with them Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began and began to be grieving and distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and watch with me. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So you could not keep watch with me for one hour? Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them again and went away and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. So I see in this passage, Jesus is asking for comfort. And he's asking for help of his friends with their physical presence and attention. 
I find that interesting. He didn't necessarily want them at his side, but he wanted them close enough to go back for encouragement in a moment, right? That's what he was looking for. He was drawing nearest to him the people that he had nearest to him. He was drawing them closer to him and requesting their, their service. Jesus asked them to watch with him and to pray with him and to be present with him in his sorrow. Do you see that in there? I find that and I find it very interesting and helpful, especially in the realm of being a Christian and understanding the church and the body and what we're here for. And Jesus is asking for this. He didn't push them away. He knew their weakness. He had no doubt. And he still asked them to serve. If Jesus desired his friends nearest to him during his deepest moments of grieving and wants their comfort as he experiences these deep, painful human emotions, uh, it tells me that I should imitate my Savior because I'm far, far less than he and completely needier in all aspects of my life, right? And so as I, as I see that, um, it makes me understand and, and think through the, the need of the church and my friends and everyone here and how the, you can be useful to me in my process of grief and also helps me realize uh, I might need to ask for help, right? Um, in those times, it's, it's hard to know what to do, and I'll talk about that a little later, but um, I can't be afraid to ask. If Jesus can ask for help, even though he doesn't need it, he wanted it, didn't he? He desired it. Uh, I definitely need it, and I, I want that and desire it. So is there something holding us back from asking our brothers or sisters to be near to us and serve us as we grieve? For those of you who have experienced it or are going through it, might be a good question to ask in the moment. Maybe thoughts of disappointment and vulnerability, putting ourselves out there or just thinking no one's adequate enough to help take care of me. They don't have what I need possible. could be something that we're blocking the Lord's help with ourselves by not being vulnerable in that way. But our society too isn't really allowing in how we operate for people to, to truly grieve. Um, it's just kind of expected that we get over it in a few short weeks. And that's just never going to happen. It just doesn't happen that way. And then, as Christians, it's probably likely that we were putting the pressure just on ourselves. That we know our brothers and sisters are, are loving and supportive and have lots of mercy and grace and are there to help in any moment. Um, that our pastors and, and elders and anyone can help in a moment's notice. But we just put this pressure on ourselves that we don't necessarily need. Um, because we want we want to get back to normal ourselves. We want to um, seem like we're we're okay. That we're not stuck. That we're coming out of it. 
we don't want to be seen as we're not trusting God as Christians, right? That's a fear that can come up as well if people see me still suffering and still upset and still going through these emotions that, you know, have been going on for two months. Maybe they think I'm not trusting God. So we can do some of that ourselves and um, not allow that process to continue as it naturally would. So as we read through that passage, as I read through it, I, I like to see that even Jesus was frustrated with his friends um, and that in their failure to do as asked, he, he questioned them about their ability to help and participate. Um, you know, as I read it, I can, I can sense and feel the little bit of frustration coming out of him too. Can you relate to those frustrations with others? In anyone's attempt to be helpful, they fall short of being helpful in the midst of grief. And then we find ourselves frustrated with them. Maybe you can relate to this. And it seems like Jesus can relate to that. But Jesus didn't allow it to stop him. He continued asking and desiring their help. He pressed on with his process and his requests. And again, I think he's our ultimate mentor. He's our guide. And he's, he's walking through that um, for us and with us uh, in the moment to do what he's got to do to drink from that cup. But also, um, now that we have it, we have it preserved for us for eternity through Scripture, we can learn from that as well. Grief is painful. It is, it is deep. It is definitely beyond what most words can describe. Um, and another side of the severity of grief is seeing others go through it and not knowing what to say or what to do, right? And surely you've found yourself in this situation at some point. Sometimes we can be so concerned with saying something wrong that we don't say anything at all. And honestly, that might be just as hurtful um, to not have a conversation, to not hear someone ask how you're doing, and um, just to act like life's normal. That can be hurtful too for someone experiencing it, um, especially, especially when it's fresh. Um, but what do you say, and how do you, how do you act around someone going through this? How could you possibly help them to feel any better with your measly efforts, right? Maybe a question that's gone through your head on how you help someone. Well, if you think I'm going to give you a satisfying answer that's cookie-cutter fit for everything, you're wrong, because there, there is none. Um, it just, it all depends on the individual. It depends on the person. It depends where they're at in their grief process. And you'll never know where they are at on your own. And please don't rely on asking other people how so-and-so is doing. Because they could be wrong. That could have been two weeks ago. It could have been two minutes ago and it's changed. 
The only way you're going to know is for you to have a relationship with that person yourself. My best advice to cover all situations is be in prayer. Be in prayer for that person before and after you speak with them and interact with them. Pray about what to say and ask the Lord to lead you in that conversation in service and in fellowship to that person. Just be willing to give yourself to them. Don't be offended or take it personal if we come off harsh or unappreciative. Just give grace as the Lord gave grace in his moment too. If you can do that, you'll be of more service than you realize. The effort of continuing a relationship and deepening it and developing it through someone's grief is um, helpful, even if we don't want it in the moment. And you'll know. It'll be short and sweet, maybe not sweet, responses um, in the moment. But that doesn't mean don't try again. It's just that moment might have caught someone by surprise. Um, They might not have been ready to react to the conversation or the question is it's really unpredictable, as you know, and if you don't, that's why I'm telling you, because your, your feelings and your emotions pop up quicker than uh, you have time to biblically think through sometimes, right? For my situation, um, man, it was, it was a little difficult, uh, when people asking me questions about how I was doing in the moment, that was, that was hard to answer. I mean, um, trying to think and stop and think, how am I doing right now, wasn't always the easiest thing to do. But it, it did help me process and be able to verbalize when I was willing where I was with that. Um, and as I searched for the words to answer, I began to respond that directed the conversation, right? And sometimes I would feel open to discuss in, in longer conversations And other times I would shut down and give the short, sweet response. So every moment was truly different. And I I didn't always know where I was uh, when I was asked those questions in the moment. And I I wasn't sure where I was in the process. Um, Helpful thing about reading through this book is there's several phases that we can go through but it's not a one-and-done type deal is what I, it helped me realize as well. It's, it can be cyclical where you go through something multiple times um, and help me realize this, this isn't something that happens in a month or six months or a year. Um, it, can be, it can be 10 years. It can be a lifetime. Um, it just depends on how close you were in the relationship with the one who, whom you've lost. The only way someone else would know um, how I was doing would be to, to ask me how I was doing um, or, or ask something about the loved one that was gone. Um, being able to talk about them was helpful and there was things that would come up that uh, would bring cheer and bring joy in the moment. Um, but sometimes emotions would just pour out, and other times I'd, I'd feel nothing. And the most touching and moving things that people did 
for me was to pray with me right in the moment. Um, that, was, that was pretty awesome. Uh, to hear your voice and to hear you speak to our God um, was, was very helpful. I know I've given a lot of I'll pray for you statements to folks. Um, and that seems somewhat helpful in the moment, knowing someone cares and that they're willing to pray. And as a Christian, that is very helpful. Um, the world says those things though, right? The world says, I'll pray for you. And as a Christian, if you know someone's not a believer in Christ, um, sometimes that can be a little off-putting too, thinking, you know, you're, well, thanks. I know you care. I know that's what you're trying to say, but your prayers won't reach God if you don't have that relationship with him. So it's really nice when a Christian says that. And, um, you know, we have faith in each other. And I hope everyone here in this church has faith in one another that if someone says that, that they'll do it. And um, it's, it's helpful to hear that and know that. But it is nice to hear the prayer with your brother or your sister. Um, it's, it's just that there's something sweet about hearing someone else's voice pray for you and your family and the experience that you're going through in that, that moment. So know that not every moment is going to be appropriate for those type of um, conversations. But if it is and you feel like um, you want to ask, don't be afraid. Uh, especially for someone here in this church, I feel they would be welcoming and, and ready to uh, join in you, join with you in prayer. Um, also, anyone who reached out intentionally to me and offered just to spend time, especially ones who have been through it and reached out and said, you know, hey, why don't we hang out or grab lunch or do something like that? That was very helpful. And then the small gestures seemed helpful too. Uh, small gifts or cards or a note really meant a lot to me. Someone sending flowers to my mom um, asking to do that really meant a, a great deal. Where out, outside of experiencing grief or going through it, I've never cared <laughs> for the little gestures. You can trust me, ask my wife. Um, I've just never been a fan of, of those little things. Uh, but man, it made a big difference um, going through it and knowing that people cared, knowing that you cared. Um, it really helped me to know someone was thinking about me and my troubles. So that's, that's feedback from my experience and wanted to share that with you so you could hear it as I'm up here and able to present this morning and um, we can talk through these things. Let's look at some passages so we can keep our perspective as a Christian in the correct direction. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 4. If you'll flip over to there. So verse 13 and 14. Can I have someone read that out loud for the group? Okay, go for it, Sam. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Thanks. I know I read through that in this book, but let's look at it. Um, one, we see there is our eternal hope in Jesus for those who have died in Christ, and they will be with him for eternity, right? 
Paul's explaining this because of people that are going through grief as he's ministering to this church. The world grieves without hope. Um, a lot of them, they don't know, well, all of them don't know what's on the other side, but it leads them to fear and doubt. And that's what rules them in life, right? The fear and doubt of what is on the other side. And as we hear Paul explaining to us, explaining to the church that he doesn't want us to be uninformed, that we don't grieve as do the rest because they have no hope. Um, the other thing the world will do, they'll make up false truths, right? Maybe we've done this previously in our life before we knew the truth. This false truth is to comfort themselves in their grief and their loss because they have no answers outside of themselves. This is just their false belief system that the world must come up with to feel better about someone's loss, about their loss. But Christians have a different perspective. Christians have truth. We have the Word of God. We have the Son of Man. We have the one who bought us with the greatest price, himself. We don't have doubt because we know. We know God's Word is truth. We know it is authoritative. We know what he says in his Word we can trust and hang on to fully. This has been here um, as truth for eternity, and we've had it written down for, for many, 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 many years now. And it will surpass us as well, as it says it will, right? We can trust God's word, and we know that it is true. So we don't grieve as the world grieves for believers. We know there is hope. We know there is life. We know that Christ has us within him, and he'll never let us go. On the other side of death, for those not in Christ, we find ourselves experiencing another realm of pain, right? Um, life is about our lives as Christians. We're about acknowledging what is true and what is right with the way God has ordained it. Hebrews 9.27 tells us straight up, that it's appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, right? Well, let's look at the other side of things in Luke 16. If you'll flip over to that with me. Go back to Luke chapter 16. I'm sure many of you are familiar with the rich man in Lazarus. Luke 16, starting in verse 19. Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. But a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate, covered with sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now it happened that the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, he lifted his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. 
But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over here to you are not able. And none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I am asking you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, No, Father, Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. So in this story, the rich man is in his permanent dwelling place and he desires to be relieved. He is in anguish. Once he understands his fate, he requests allowance for his brothers to be warned, right? And as Jesus is speaking, and saying these words of Abraham, the scripture is pointed to as truth. And all the truth that no man, even someone raised from the dead, will convince someone of this truth if they don't acknowledge scripture as authoritative. Right? Scripture is pointed to. Abraham says that's more important than someone being raised from the dead. Because they won't believe him. Because God has given his word. He has given his truth. He has given his direction. His righteousness is what is needed for us to live beyond this life with him. And he's given it to everyone for the ages and ages and ages. Through every book. Through everything that we have. So what does God think of the death of unbelievers? And Ezekiel 18, God explains himself and his desires for people to turn from their unrighteousness and be saved. That he, in fact, does not take pleasure in the death of the wicked, which is more than can be said of us, right? As fallen men and women in this world, we can find ourselves taking a little bit or a lot of pleasure in the death of the wicked. But God doesn't find pleasure in that. And we shouldn't either. First Timothy 2, 3-4 through four says that God desires all men to be saved. And that's God's heart in it with us. That that's His desire. And there's no pleasure in that death. There's no pleasure in what happened to the rich man. There's no pleasure in, in anyone falling from this earth without knowing our Lord, Jesus. And it's painful. It's painful on our side of things. It's painful um, experiencing that and going through that. Of course, our job here 
is to acknowledge what's right and true and to also share that with the world, with our family, our friends, our neighbors, anyone who's willing to listen and hear. And those who aren't, we still need to tell them, right? We still need to tell them. In Proverbs 24, uh, verse 17, it says, We shouldn't celebrate when our enemies fall, for it may turn the Lord's anger away from them. Could turn towards us if we're not too careful. So, whether or not our loved one is saved or, or unsaved and dies, um, there's, there's no pleasure in that when the unsaved is, is gone. There's that hope of the one in Christ who is with him in his glory now. Okay, next I want to turn to Colossians. Another section of verses many of you are very familiar with, but Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4. If someone will read that for us, that'd be helpful. Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Thanks, Tyler. Seeking the will and things of Christ is as our duty. That is our job. We are servants of the Most High. We're not the rulers of this kingdom. We are His servants. Keeping our mind, our thoughts on Him, not on the things here, but where He is, seated at the right hand of God. That's what we can do in this world now. We are here to serve and do the work of the Lord, which is leading people to the word of God and his truth. And in our grief and our sorrow, our purpose can and will be found in our service to the church and to the world with our minds, our hearts, our strength in Jesus. That's where we can still find ourselves as we go through grief. Passages pointing to him, pointing to what he's doing eternally and using us in our short, small lives. Knowing that he's got a greater purpose than we can actually understand in the moment. Passages like this where we need to go for encouragement and help. I'm going to read a little bit more out of this book for y'all. Towards the end that I liked. Dr. Wright wrote, As we come to the close of our brief discussion of grief and its role in our life, I want to encourage you as a believer in Christ to take advantage of the vast store of grace that is available to you and your Savior. In his wisdom, he has given us the church in which we find so many who can help us with our sorrows. I know in my own church, my elders are men of such great wisdom and insight. Their lives are testimonies to God's grace. Hopefully you too have such men in your congregation. Seek their counsel and their wisdom. God has given us one another for just such 
purposes. If any one thing has helped people to refocus their lives and move back into a full and joy-filled life, it has been this, service to others. I have often counseled individuals who are stuck on the downward spiral of grief to volunteer their time to help others. In doing so, I was helping them get out of their isolation while at the same time helping them to stop and look downward and inward. By helping others, we find ourselves rejuvenated and reaffirmed. We see how we can be of help to others and we become channels of God's grace. By serving others, we help ourselves to experience the fullness of joy and living that God intends for us. First and foremost, we are servants of Christ. You remain his servant, even in the light of your lost and your loved one. Do you think he still loves you? He does. He still asks for your service, even knowing you are hurting. He has a loving purpose, my friend. As you serve him, he lives his life in you. He heals your heart, restores your soul. As you serve him, your life is enriched. And though and through it all, even if you can't see it right now, he is creating a beautiful image, a new creation, another portrait of Jesus Christ. So, remember what the Lord has given us. If you're experiencing grief, going through it, or if you're friends with someone who is, these are things that we can keep in mind. Um, the Father hears us. He hears every prayer that we have. He's given us that. He covers us in grace and mercy. We have the Lord Jesus who died for us, who plucks us from our certain appointment with eternal wrath and also gives us his spirit to dwell and live inside of us every moment of every day. That is a gift that we are given as a church. And he is there. And he's ready at a moment's notice to help us. And then he gave us the church. who is a great gift of love and comfort. Full of resources, encouragement, and perspective. And as I can reiterate one more time, don't be afraid um, to be in service to, to anyone you know going through grace. And don't be afraid to receive it if you're going through it as well. And don't be afraid to ask for it. Um, everyone's grief is, is going to be different. It's going to be challenging in, in different ways. Everyone's at a, a different process. And we, you're just not going to know those things. So you can't Expect anyone to be where you think they're going to be. The relationship that we have with one another is the, the greatest thing that you can utilize to help. And you're going to need it sometime too. The deeper our relationships get with each other, with one another, the more trust we have up front before you experience it, the easier it'll be to, to lean on your brother, your sister, your friend, your pastor, So think through that now. Be willing to um, offer help 
And a lot of times that help just looks like time together. Just being with someone. Um, going with them on an errand. Going to hang out with them at their house. Having a cup of coffee. Um, helping them with a chore. Maybe they got something at, at the house or here at the church that needs to get done. Um, doing those things with someone is, is extremely helpful. Um, the more you're with someone, the more their thoughts and emotions will come out. Their expressions will come out. That's what's helped me in my process is being able to talk about my brother, being able to talk about my mother and my family, um, being able to talk about my, uh, my own spiritual battles and where I was at and where I'm at now. Um, having friends and family to help walk through those things is uh, just a great gift. And if you got questions for me personally, um, I'd be happy to take those after this. Um, and I'll share, you know, what I can. And if, if you know others that are going through, um, I just encourage you to talk to them. Just, just be there. Just uh, spur the conversation and see what they want to talk about. That helps a lot. Uh, I do have... These I want to pass out. It's just the verses that I liked and then that, that prayer I shared at the beginning, um, which is also very helpful. Um, so let me pray in, in closing, and then if I can get someone to help pass these out, I'll, I'll take your help, and we'll be out of here. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for bringing us together to worship you and honor you and glorify who you are. Thank you for making us in your image, knowing that you know our feelings, our emotions completely, fully. You've experienced them to the uttermost. And we can know that you are not distant from us, but you are near. And you have given us so much grace and so much mercy in our times of need in our times of sorrow, and you cover us in your love. And I thank you for your church that you've given to just bless one another in so many aspects, in so many ways, with so many different lives. Pray that we will lean heavier on each other, that we will rely more on one another, more than what is comfortable, that we can make ourselves vulnerable and willing to put our lives in someone else's hands, knowing that they're going to disappoint us as you did, Lord, and still have the love and the grace and the mercy for them because they are in you and with you. And we praise your heavenly name and we love you, Lord Jesus. We just ask you to continue being present with us through the rest of the services this morning and as we lift our voices and sing together and pray together and hear your word preached this morning. I just pray that your spirit fills us with your life and leads us in service. In Jesus' name, amen.